Now, here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. Well, here we are, Northlanders, with the segment that we fondly refer to as Let the Sawdust Fly with Peter Woods. And the first thing I would like to say, Peter, is did you ever in your wildest uh, dream when you and I were sitting there together that night uh, up at the logging con- uh, logging uh, deal up in, uh, where was it? Uh, up at Fortune What Bay. was the name of the, Fortune, where was it? Fortune Bay. Fortune at, Bay. There yep. we were. Yep. We were sitting there and you mentioned, uh, hey, uh, you suppose I could come on the show, uh, you know, once in a while, maybe have uh, our program uh, to talk about logging and. And and I know I thought, well, sure, this would be great. We'll have a couple of months of this, and uh, uh, then then we'll run out of things to talk about or run out of people. I don't think we're. I don't think you will ever run out of possible guests. <laughs> oh, now tell, Brad, tell I, us. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, tell us a little bit about Tony Brown and uh, talk about what's going on. Well, Brad, thank you once again. It's been it's been quite the experience being with you and Kenny here at Midwest Communications and having a time that I truly I never thought it would be like this. I really didn't. I just thought, like you said, one or two shows. But I thank you greatly. I thank the listeners out there who are willing to take the time out of their day and listen to us about the timber industry and the hidden industry, like I call along. But today, folks, uh, we have a good friend uh, out of Antigo, Wisconsin. I'm going to butcher that now. Antigo, Wisconsin. Troy Brown is the president. He's also the president of the GLTPA organization, and he hails. It's probably on old, probably north uh, west of Green Bay a little bit, but they have a nice uh, mill there that he runs and with their workers. And it's quite an interesting story about uh, how we're going to go about this, but uh, what they did to be self-contained on their electricity. Because um, give me just a just a brief little bit here, folks, of my thoughts here, if you would. Um, I was, I remember when I was just a child, my, my dad was warning me and I was just only nine years old or so. It's one of those things that t- teaching you and that, but he was warning me that if you ever want to paralyze this country, he said it'd be real easy. Now this is over 50 years ago. And he said, if you really want to paralyze this country, it'd be easy. He said, cut the electricity. People don't know what to do. And it, it stuck with me ever since. And I believe folks that the power grid is very, how you would say vulnerable. And, yes. and, and. When you turn on your lights and it's always there, you believe it's not. It's not vulnerable. It's always there. And if, you, if your power goes out, you don't think nothing of it. They already have the, their sensors and it can tell that it's out somewhere and they go and fix it. But what we're going to talk about could be duplicated all across the country, and I think it needs to be looked at seriously. It really does because you, you want to stay very strong, and this is ways of being very strong. And I'm I'm so thankful that Troy was willing to come on and talk about their mill, their people, uh, what their product does, and then how did they come about uh, being self-contained on electricity. And so, Troy, Troy, are you there? I am here, Peter. Great, great. You want to tell the folks out there a little bit about yourself and uh, how it came about? Geez, uh, yeah. Um, as you mentioned, we run a sawmill uh, in Antigo, Wisconsin, and you're right. It's about an hour and a half northwest of Green Bay. And a little town of about, uh, I think we got 8,000 people. And our sawmill here is kind of unique. We're 100% employee-owned, 85 employee owners. And we're always looking, when when you have an employee-owned company, everyone's always looking for little ways that you can do things a little bit better. And we had an old boiler system 
uh, a wood fire boiler. It it ran at about 200 horsepower, and we became limited on any expansion opportunities that we would have because this boiler heated the dry kilns that we dry the hardwood lumber in. And uh, if we wanted to expand any more, we needed more boiler capacity. And on top of that, we were running two 300-horsepower natural gas boilers. And those natural gas boilers in the wintertime, as you all know in Duluth, um, it gets pretty cold in these parts. So we'd be running a 200-horsepower wood-fire boiler and a three, two 300-horsepower natural gas boilers on those really cold days, and they were running full out. So that old boiler was installed in 1988. I was a little bit stubborn. I guess I'll, I'll let everyone know that I'm a bean counter and um, you know just kept looking at the investment uh, that it would take uh, to, to invest in new boiler equipment. But uh, we were... We worked with some folks, did a lot of feasibility uh, analysis, and we ended up deciding that we would install a 500 horsepower natural or natural gas. Listen to me, uh, biomass uh, boiler that would primarily be fed with um, wood chips and bark from our sawmill. And on top of that, there was an opportunity, and uh, we'll probably get into it a little bit later, to uh, install a micro steam. Um, power generator that uh, would actually have the capacity to run the electricity and in our kilns and in the boiler itself. Um, so yeah, we went forward and and uh, bit the bullet and uh, did this expansion. As you can imagine, it's it's a pretty big expansion for a for a small company like ours. But uh, everything is up and running and. Um, Working some of those bugs out, we began the or we began running uh, around June 30th of this year. So there's still some things here or there that the, we can't run the turbine full time, but uh, we're we're closing in on that. So so you're getting closer all the time. Did you did you go somewhere and see somebody else do this before you, or did you just go into it blindly, or what, what was the stepping process in doing that? I think. Uh, Peter, initially it was kind of blindly, but um, as as we started talking to some people, um, we we went to a Menominee Tribal Enterprise. Uh, uh, they have 240,000 acres of timberland just a little southeast of here in between here in Green Bay. We have some friends there. Uh, they were running uh, and are running a boiler along with a, a steam generator. And uh, we did some trips out east um, in Maine in particular, and there's a large uh, softwood manufacturer in Maine that had uh, the particular uh, generator that we were, we were entertaining. And uh, we ended up going with, with that particular generator, and, the, and we liked all the, all the features that were on it, all the valves closed properly when, when something goes wrong because this is high-pressure steam, and the startup was very, very easy. Um, I always tease that say when I say when I first saw this generator started up, I could have done it. Uh, push a couple of buttons, open a couple of valves, and and then push one more button. And and uh, so it's a very uh, it's kind of a unique uh, uh, design process in this in this generator. It actually one of the things that's interesting is that the actual turbine itself spins uh, uh, at a revolution of twenty seven thousand revolutions per minute so um so there's a lot of bearing uh types of 
of uh, engineering that went into it. It's got a cooler. It's actually got a cooler, a water cooler um, that keeps things cool too. But um, it was a, uh, it was the one we wanted and the one that we got. Twenty-seven thousand RPMs. I would see. Yeah, you'd have to have oil pumping steady, water to cool out because you're going to build a lot of friction when you talk that kind of speed. <laughs> I know. I, I know. When I first heard that, I said. 2,700? No, 27,000. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Take that car engines, right? Yeah, right. So, um, you know, one of the things, too, that, that's interesting that I found out about boilers that I didn't know. So we have a this 500-horsepower boiler, but when, they, when it's compared to engines and hogging equipment and horsepower, it's actually 500 times 13. So it's a 13 to 1 ratio on, on uh, so what is that, uh, 60? Uh, times 13? Yeah, times 13. So uh, That's and, like uh, a 12,500 horsepower. It's, uh, it's yeah, 6,500 with, uh, um, yeah, so there's a lot of, lot of, uh, lot of high-powered equipment that we, that we installed. My word, I've never heard of it multiplying out like that. I thought electric was electric, but that's what it can compound out to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Peter, this is, uh, Peter, this is, go ahead. Peter, this is Brad, and I, I, do I understand, Troy, right, that this, this 500 horsepower boiler is run almost exclusively by byproducts of the, logging industry and the sawmill itself uh chips and sawdust that kind of thing that's yeah, your Tro- Troy, for... you, yeah, Troy, why don't you talk about that about uh how to come about that you're you're taking your i take it your wood waste right or into gen that's being burnt to create the power yeah uh in the in the sawmill uh, you end up with byproducts and um sure. those byproducts end up being chips sawdust and bark and um, there's a certain a certain chip we actually we actually size our chips. Um, so typically, uh, wood chips in our area will go to the paper mills to use for pulp, and okay. uh, they require a certain size, a larger size chip, and um, and apparently it's efficiencies um, that that paper mills get out of the chips. Well, the smaller chips uh, we burn uh, in our in our in our boiler and um, also a content of bark and we're trying to we're trying to get about 75 percent wood chips 25 percent bark content in this project we had to install uh, you know you need something to feed the um, the material into a into a boiler system so right. we bought a uh, we bought a new uh, new infeed system uh, so we could introduce the bark, and that infeed system has a meter on it, and uh, that meter will control how much how much uh, of the chip material will be fed into the boiler, and how much of the bark material will be fed into the boiler. And right now, we're targeting seventy five percent to twenty five percent, and uh, we do have we we have nice sawdust markets in the city. It's actually used for food flavoring at a plant north. So we're not going to burn uh, sawdust at this time, but this system does have the capabilities of burning sawdust too. If if that market ever, we always say it goes the heck in a handcart uh, down sure. here. But sure. <laughs> yeah, but it is fed. It is fed from the wood waste 
um, that we uh, that we generate at our mill. Well, when we, we uh, of course, we are a commercial radio station, so we have to take a commercial break here. But when we come back, I'd like to ask uh, uh, Troy, uh, maybe you think about this. How much electricity is generated? Does it just run your operation or do you actually generate enough that you can uh, use it in the system as well? So we'll be right back after this commercial break. Giant Redwood, Larch, the Fir, the Mighty Scots Pine, the smell of fresh-cut timber, the crash of mighty trees. With my best girl by my side, we'd sing, sing, sing. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I sleep all night and I work all day. He's a lumberjack and he's okay. He sleeps all night and he works all day. I cut down trees. Well, this is the uh, this is the period that we always say that Peter does this song himself. That's actually Peter singing. Peter and Troy. So you got this 500 pound or this 500 horsepower boiler going. Do you actually generate more electricity than you need for your day-to-day operations, or is it pretty much just to run your own operation? Yeah, uh, we we will generate more electricity than what we use in our operations. And when we did our initial analysis, we, we weren't quite sure um, how the uh, power company would uh, accept uh, taking excess power from us. And um, it ends up being that uh, they will and, and, and uh, are paying a fair rate to us, um, what's deemed a fair rate to us, <clears throat> for anything that we have excess that goes back onto the grid. An interesting thing about this uh, particular uh, generator is that at 275 kW, it could actually provide electricity for between 225 and 240 homes if it weren't providing electricity for ours just left on its own uh that would be 225 to 240 homes um that wow yeah yeah so um are there are there are there other troy are there other wood operations that run boilers like this that do provide electricity for uh, cities and states or, you know, general private operations? Just for municipalities, I'm not aware of that, Brad, but um, I do know that uh, a lot of hospitals, um, uh, I visited one out east, actually, um, that provides electricity for the hospital. Um, and sells back to the grid, I believe, uh, with that. But uh, just standalone, I am not aware of any of those. Universities um, uh, use wood fire boilers too, um, and uh, do have some cogeneration, uh, the technical term for it. Okay. Yeah, uh, well, Peter, this is a very interesting. Uh, but, so you 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 have not sold any of the electricity back to the. To private companies now, those you, you're pretty much just running your own operation. We, with the newness of it right now, we have not yet, um, but we we will uh, sell some back okay. onto the grid once once all the once all the kinks get worked out of uh, the system. Uh, we're sure. set up for that, and we will. Yes, uh, 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 Troy, uh, would you mind sharing with the folks out there? Uh, 
how long when you started getting the thought of doing this? It must have been the usually it's it's with most of us the money and it's we're paying out too much. And we're trying to be self-contained on something. But uh, what about the the financial end of it to do something like this? And you're talking, let's say, over 200 homes you could generate for with this kind of system. Mm-hmm. Um, how long from when you thought of it to when the time frame of building it to when it started working here the last few months? Uh, the the financial end of it uh, that would be a big concern because I know you're saying a bean counter style. You know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm exaggerating. We, we we've always uh, we always knew we needed a new system, and these are they're costly. And um, the the federal government has what's called a Wood Innovations Grant, and what what that grant's purpose is is to um, provide uh, companies for that use biofuel like ours. Um, you know, opportunities to invest in equipment to keep using woody, particularly woody biomass. Now, what's important to our industry is that uh, woody biomass is considered a carbon neutral product. And what, ah. what carbon neutral means is that everything that's used in that biomass, the CO2 that gets emitted back into the air is actually being absorbed by new growth and and growth in the forest. So okay. this carbon neutral designation is really important and it's important for our industry to be continue to be considered carbon neutral. Um, and uh, there's science out there, a uh, lot of science out there that supports the data to let us be carbon neutral. So we ended up getting a grant through Wood Innovations and, um, you know, actually, even if I could back up a little bit, fellas, in, in the carbon neutrality, what's really sure. interesting in wood is that they're taking the data of the CO2 that gets emitted out of the stack. And there's a lot of regulatory things that go into this when you start, when you start systems like this, and particularly something that's 500 horsepower. But the industry is working real hard to actually, instead of carbon neutrality, be designated the wood products industry be designated as carbon negative, whether we could get there or not. But one of the missing pieces in the system in the carbon equation is that as we take wood into our mill, we make, we produce lumber from the log and then we dry that lumber, that carbon that was absorbed by that tree is now captured for the life of whatever that wood is is manufactured into, and okay, I see that's that's not a part of the equation yet. But then, okay. getting back to your question, um, we ended up getting the innovations grant. Uh, we ended up then receiving another energy innovation grant, and um, we also focus on energy. There's a state body that uh, uh, offered up a grant to us too that we. We accepted, obviously, and uh, sure. so we ended up with three different grants. Unfortunately, we weren't able to use a rural energy assistance because all grants have different rules around them. Um, oh, but yeah, uh, yeah they're, they're great folks to work with. The USDA, get me wrong, but um, uh, we weren't able to participate with that grant. But um, so these grants well, look- really did shrink the payback uh, on a system sure. like this. 
All right. Well, Roy, uh, or I mean Pete and uh, Troy, hold your uh, hold your shooting here a little bit. We got to do our CBS News break. Then when we come back, I want to ask you about if other businesses could do the same thing to help generate their power and maybe uh, buy some of the byproduct of other, uh, you know, sawmills and wood operations as well to use to burn for the product. So we'll be right back after CBS News. Well, the sounds of the woodchopper ball brings us back to sound off here on uh, 610 KDAL. Uh, And we have with us on the phone right now, we should probably have taken him before we even bring the music, but we have Matt Boo, who's involved uh, also uh, to a degree in wood, because he sells wood stoves, wood uh, fireplaces, as well as electric and byproducts. Have you, I don't know if you've been listening this morning, Matt, but this sounds like a kind of an innovation that could be used in other businesses and other products to uh, generate their electricity as well. I, you know, I'm sorry, I was not listening. I've been running around a little bit this morning. <laughs> well, you you do that because I'll tell you what, you've got a beautiful operation there, Duluth Stove and Fireplace, that generates a lot of warmth for a lot of customers. Uh, are you seeing that as we're getting into the fall period now that more and more people are starting to look, oh, it's coming, it's around the corner, that big thing called winter, and we want to make sure our home is nice and toasty warm? Yep. Oh, yeah, very much so. And uh, uh, this week has just been crazy. The showroom's been uh, occupied almost every day, all day. So, uh, yeah, we're we're in that season. Now, we, you know, people should know, and if you've listened to uh, myself and Matt talk about it over the years, you know that the process of going in, looking, finding the stove you want and getting it installed might take a couple of months. So you want to go in, go through. They've got a beautiful showroom with at least three corridors of different types of burning units, everything from gas inserts to cubes to to pellets, to wood burning and everything in between. But uh, Matt and the fine folks over there will help you choose the one that probably best suits your needs and then get the process started to order it, have it installed, and have it working before the snow flies. So Matt, uh, and and you've even got some operations still that the government is offering bonuses on or paybacks on that uh, will allow you to upgrade your heating systems and uh, and give you some rebates for that same purpose, right? Yeah, no, that, these are two good programs, and I'm pretty sure you can double up on them. But we've got the uh, Stove Swap Initiative, which is if you have a stove that's older than 1988, uh, they will give you some funds, uh, depending on your income, uh, to swap that out. And Excellent. that's seven hundred, yeah, that's $750 or $1,500. So that's a good program. And then the federal government um, had passed through their biomass initiative, they passed the 30% tax credit. And that, that goes on until like, oh, I think uh, another eight years. And so wow. that's a 30, 30% tax credit on the stove, the appliance, the chimney, the hearth, and the labor. 
there's a cap of $2,000 on it, but it's, it's a good program. And if somebody's thinking about putting one in, uh, you can sure take advantage of that. Well, there you go, Northlanders. Now, Matt, uh, quickly, if you would, tell us uh, your hours of operation, exactly where your uh, storage showroom is located, and how to get a hold of you. And, and and also, even the website, because you've got a lot of nice things on the website where people can kind of see the operation. Yeah, we're on the corner of 25th Avenue West and Superior Street, which is going to be even easier to find because they're doing a beautification project outside our door. Uh, nice. Lincoln Park. Yeah, they probably thought we needed a little up, <laughs> up left. But. <laughs> so our, our showroom, showroom hours are Monday through Thursday, 8 to 6, Friday, 8 to 4.30, and Saturday, 9 to 2. Our landline is 218-727-9002, and we can be reached through our website, and that's DuluthStove.com. All right. Thank you very much, Matt. As always, Duluth Stove and Fireplace, great people to keep you warm all year long. So, Peter yep. uh, and Troy Brown. Troy Brown operates a sawmill in, is it Antigo, uh, up in northern Wisconsin? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You guys are really spot on with how you're pronouncing. We kind of leave the T out a little bit here. We say more Antigo, but uh, okay. you guys are all right. really doing well. With We're it. selling a better Wisconsinite all the time, aren't we? <laughs> all the time well i you know the thing that i was wondering as you were talking about this is it seems like this is the kind of system that other businesses especially if you've got a manufacturing plant that produce that needs electricity in its process it would seem to me that you could put a boiler system in like this and buy leftover waste products or even i don't know if you convert some of the sawdust into pellets and things like that but could that be developed where other businesses could uh, could use that and it would help uh, keep electricity off the grid? Yeah, I think I think that uh, it certainly could be done in a bigger way. Uh, I know that in other countries, um, uh, Scandinavia has 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 been more successful probably in those countries. Uh, the UK has an initiative utilize uh biomass uh in on their electric grid um european union is very uh pro uh biomass um and i I think we could do more of that here in in our country i think that as matt mentioned in uh, a couple of minutes ago uh, there are tax credits that are available so the government is allowing initiatives to do some things in a bigger way um, but yeah, it could be done. Uh, I did a little bit of checking because uh, Peter and I have talked over the course of the last month. Uh, the size boiler that we have installed, and there'd have to be different engineering. But if we weren't uh, if we weren't producing electricity for our um, for our plant, I think uh-huh. that the size that we have could do about do over a thousand homes um wow and and when when you think of i've seen power plants coal-fired power plants and the in the monstrosity of of those boilers i went in one a few uh oh quite a few years ago now and i didn't even know i was looking at the boiler until i felt the heat coming out of it it was so big <laughs> but <laughs> its own building 
Yeah, they're doing quite a few more than a you know a thousand homes. Of course, they've got industries and in in everything. But um, yeah, this could be done in a bigger way. Couldn't it be? It could be done all across the country. I think wherever there's timber, this could be done and and generate because we can transport electricity through the lines a long distance, but we don't want to haul it too far because of the cost effectiveness of doing that. Sure. And 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 the size and the how big your generator is. Um, Troy, wouldn't you say that your your stuff is basically, I believe, brand new? And a lot there would be people out there listening right now saying, "We've been burning wood. What are you talking about wood since the, for fifty years, sixty years?" Well, if you went back then, what kind of cars were you driving? Would those cars be as good as they are today? Would they be as nice today? Longevity, efficiency as today? That's what I'm looking at. Is maybe these new boilers, new generators, would be so much more efficient? You could get your cost down more, where it could be extremely helpful but we're also reducing the fuel load in the woods we're also reducing the wood waste could you talk about yeah. that Troy? a little yeah um so you know getting back actually to the whole the whole science of of biomass and really what biomass in its original uh uh applications as far as burning is that the co2 is less uh, burning the biomass than it is if it's landfilled. So um, the 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 biomass itself uh, being used and we apply it now to electricity. That electricity becomes much more efficient in terms of CO two emissions than what certain fossil fuels are. And I don't want to get into I don't want to coals at at anyone that's making a living with fossil fuels, but the Department of Energy in the UK has come out and said that because of the carbon capture in the forest, that this biomass is 10 emits, emit is the wrong word. It's equivalent to emitting 10 times less than a certain fossil fuel that's out there. Wow. So we put, yeah, we put that into the equation, and, and, and it really makes sense to use to burn biomass to uh, generate electricity. I'm oh. kind of a geek when it comes to this stuff, fellas. I apologize for that. <laughs> no, yeah, I think you're handling it very well. Well, Peter, um, this is this is uh, interesting stuff because I know that, for example, even in the city of Duluth. Duluth, the city itself operates a big boiler system that provides uh, steam water heating to a lot of downtown businesses. In fact, they've just expanded it to cover the condominiums that are going to be built in the old Central High School. And I would think this could be available all over the country. I I believe, Brad, that's why I wanted Troy to come on because they've actually done it. Uh, Manami Tribe has done it, and this is something I had thoughts on for a while. And Here's the folks that actually have done it, improving this is how you do it. I imagine, Troy, I'm thinking of this generator being a huge generator, like the size of a house, but just a gen- the boiler I can understand being big because you've got to burn a lot of material to get yeah. the heat up and pressure. But how big is a generator like this? I'm visualizing this thing well, bigger Well, hold, hold that thought because we've got to take our last break yep. here. So hold that thought about yep. how big the generator has to be. And when we come back from the break, we'll get into that. We're going to take this last break. 
Your Twin Ports home for UMD Bulldog football. For the touchdown for UMD. KDAL. KDAL time is 12.56. we got to wrap this up, Brad. Yeah, we certainly do it. Uh, Peter, the hour flies by when you're on with the Let the Sawdust Fly. But take it to the top uh, with uh, Troy. This sounds like a kind of an operation that could be broadened and uh, really be a lot of the answer that we have in this country to uh, emissions from uh, fossil fuels. As well as uh, it's emissions, as well as managing the forest greatly. Uh, it's needed. That's why I want to have Troy on to talk about where this could be duplicated, folks, anywhere in the country. We need to look at the grid as little sections to me because it's vulnerable when you count on one big dog. That big dog goes down, you're not going to have electricity. And so if we have these spots like this all over, it makes us way more stronger because in case catastrophic things happen, you still have little backups here and there. And Troy, could you talk just a hair about that? We are running out of time here very quickly. Yeah, it can be duplicated, particularly in these in our areas where the biomass is it's available. And um, if it could be if if it could invent a landowner, if there could be enough money in it for a landowner, I think Peter, you know better than I do that if the landowner is incented to manage their timber society is going to be a heck of a lot better off because managed managed forests are are higher quality forests higher quality forests observe more co2 um capture more co2 and if we if we were able to target areas where this could be could be duplicated um i think i think overall we're we'd be in a much better place in terms of co2 emissions um and uh, I was going to go off on a tangent, fellas. Sorry, I'm not going to do that. Um, but uh, <laughs> it, it, it can be. One of the things that Matt said uh, about 20 minutes ago is that if municipalities wanted to engage in this <clears throat> type of a project, I know that mun- there's tax credits available. Municipalities are not taxable. Yeah. However, with the same law that Matt was referring to, uh, municipalities and um, universities and hospitals that wanted to do this can actually well, get direct payments for this. Thank so. you very much, Brad, Troy. We're out of time here, but Brad, thank you once again. We'll catch Thanks, you next guys. month. You got it. Thank you.